The accounting firm of Haynes, Eisenbarger, and Skiba presents the 23rd College Football Hall of Fame season of Fighting Irish Preview. And now, the Banditos' fresh May daily kickoff with your host, Phil Houck. Good afternoon, Mr. Book. Your Fighting Irish football team is presently locked in a particularly nasty battle with an evil nemesis known as Hokey. You trail Hokey by six points. There are a scant three minutes and 22 seconds left on the clock, and you are pinned at your own 13-yard line. Your mission, Ian, should you choose to accept it, is to lead your team 87 yards into the end zone and make the extra point. There are no other alternative objectives. It is all or nothing. You will be assisted in this mission by a number of operatives collectively known as the Notre Dame offense. Key in this group is a man of superhero power known as Claypool, Chase Claypool. Mr. Claypool has a preternatural ability to elongate his lower extremities while leaping in the air, thereby allowing him to contact the inbounds portion of a football field. And he does this while catching a football. Use this weapon wisely, Ian, but by all means, use it. The urgency of the mission is a consequence of a decisive loss in a battle to the evil empire of the Wolverine 168 hours ago. Since that loss, ND Nation has been merciless in its criticism both of you and of our leader, Brian Kelly. This harsh elucidation has now reached a deafening pitch. Fail to execute your mission, Ian, and that criticism will reach a level which could result in irreparable damage, such that the significant progress made by the Fighting Irish over the last two and a half seasons and the resultant stability in the program could be obliterated. The season, and frankly your future, Ian, stand in the balance. Good luck, Mr. Book. This recording will self-destruct in five seconds. Although it is backed up on the cloud. Saturday afternoon, Ian Book accepted Mission Impossible and drove the Irish 87 yards on 18 plays in 2 minutes and 53 seconds. The drive consisted of 14 passes, two fourth down conversions, and included two critical catches by Chase Claypool, who looked like he really does have a superpower. And that all led to the game winner, a seven-yard scramble to the end zone by Ian Book. Mission accomplished. Banditos with three Fort Wayne locations, Waynedale, Georgetown, and Glenbrook Commons. Banditos is fresh made daily. Now, stay tuned for Fighting Irish Insight from America's foremost authority on Notre Dame football, Tim Priester, senior editor of irishillustrated.com. After these words from Haynes, Eisenbarger, and Skiba, Sher McCulloch Auctioneers, and Coors Light, the official beer of Saturday morning. This is Fighting Irish Preview. The University of Notre Dame exemplifies dedication to hard work, integrity, and personal values which result in success in the classroom and on the football field. The professionals at Haynes, Eisenbarger, and Skiba, like Notre Dame, know the same dedication, and their experience and ability provides peace of mind. Combining local expertise with access to national and international experts through their affiliation with BDO, the fifth largest accounting firm in the world. Tax planning, tax compliance, auditing, business valuation, and estate planning. The full-service accounting firm of Haynes, Eisenbarger, and Skiba, like the Irish, has what it takes to help you achieve success. Located in Fort Wayne near Jefferson Point, Haynes, Eisenbarger, and Skiba proudly supports Notre Dame football and congratulates all those who are a part of the greatest tradition in all of sports. Go Irish! This is Art Salzberg. I don't endorse everybody, but I found a company that I think provides a great service. 
The company is Shearer McCulloch, and what they do is targeted specifically for seniors, people who may be thinking about downsizing and are overwhelmed by the thought of what it's going to take. Shearer McCulloch will pack you up, move you, and then sell your house and everything that's left. Now that's the most comprehensive relocation service anywhere, and what I call in sports terms covering all the bases. Shearer McCulloch uses an international auction platform to make sure your possessions are seen by the right buyers. They're looking to get top dollar from people who have an interest in the special treasures you've collected over the years. Shearer McCulloch is A-plus rated by the Better Business Bureau and highly recommended by leading retirement communities and law firms. If Sharon and I decide to make a change in lifestyle, we'll be calling Shearer McCulloch at 441-8636. That's 441-8636. We trust them, and we know they'll make things easy and profitable. Coors Light presents A Word from Kirk Herbstreet. It's Saturday morning, and that means it's time for college football. It means your fridge is filled with Coors Light. It means last night's pizza is this morning's breakfast. And washing it down with your first Coors Light of the day is worthy of an ah. It's Saturday morning, and it means showers are optional. Make Saturday mornings even more chill with a fridge full of Coors Light, the official beer of Saturday morning. 2019 Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Celebrate responsibly. Now back to Fighting Irish Preview with your host, Phil Houck. Well, Tim Priester, you were where I was on the sideline when Ian Book uh, embarked on his 3 minute and 32 second, uh, actually it was about three minutes the way it lasted, and 18-play drive to to victory. It, it was really exciting, exciting to go down to the wire like that. And to me personally, just to, to be right there, it was a great moment. But did it seem to you under the circumstances that when he did run the ball in that really the crowd reaction overall was just not quite what you'd expect? Yeah, it had been a long day in Nordine Stadium Maybe for the that's fans. It. it was cold, it was windy, and I don't know if that had something to do with it. I mean, Notre Dame fans in general aren't among the nation's best when it comes to, you know, reaction on game day. But, um, yeah, I, you know, I thought it was a, a great play call, I, I, which we don't hear a lot about. Uh, we only hear about the bad ones, but I thought it was a great play call on third and goal from the seven by Chip Long and excellent execution. And they, they moved the football down the field. They were their fair share of incompletions and, and uh, failed plays, but they battled. They converted a couple fourth downs, uh, third downs. It was exactly what they needed because, uh, I mean, it was a game at halftime. They'd only given up 85 yards, and they were tied because of the, the fumble and the, the long uh, fumble return. So tough day, but they, they grinded one out, and that's what they needed to do to, to stay alive and keep moving on. Well, that speaks to perseverance, a trait that this team has had in the past, and certainly those two drives that Notre Dame had in the uh, fourth quarter, one of which ended up with no points, but went for 17 plays, I think, started at their own one-yard line, and then the uh, game winner, perseverance. Okay, I thought that uh, Brian Kelly and Ian Book uh, were both unusually frank uh, about the impact over all the, quote, noise after the Michigan loss. Kelly admitted uh, post-game that the Irish were tight, played tight, and he also acknowledged the high level of criticism that Ian Book had been under and then Book himself, and I think this was in response to one of your questions, Tim, summed it up by saying that you come to Notre Dame to play quarterback and they love you when you win and they hate you when you lose. Kind of a strong word, I thought. Is this the new normal in the social media world, Tim? It's all or nothing. Fans become so jaded that and their expectations so high that 
they don't realize that really their own viciousness can can harm a team. Yeah, I think when you win twelve regular season games, go twelve and one, that that, that becomes the expectation every year. And you know, I thought I thought Brian Kelly's um, you know just his comments about uh, Ian Book. I, I I mean, I I think he feels like the offense has struggled because. 11 players on the field have struggled and Ian Book and to a large extent Chip Long, the, the play caller, have gotten the bulk of the, the blame for that. And nobody knows better than the guy on the inside that knows all 11 working pieces that it requires, you know, those to mesh. And it's not just quarterback. Look, nobody's saying that Ian Book's played well. He hasn't. Um, he hasn't gotten better. In some instances, he's gotten worse and we all recognize that. But in order for them to succeed, um, you know, you'd like to think that you have your, your fans on your side. And I understand the reaction to to disappointment and failure, but sometimes it's it's a little bit over the top. And well, I think in this instance, it has been. Well, social media, unfortunately, uh, has created a lot of self-proclaimed geniuses and uh, cooler heads need to prevail. And I, I hope over time that's exactly what happens. Uh, Tim, where where do you think Ian Book's head is right now, though? Do you, do you think that maybe all the noise has impacted his confidence and therefore his play? And maybe that's why he has underperformed this year. Well, I, you know, I wouldn't go so far as to say that. I think his, I think his poor performances have led to that. Um, and maybe it started with the Cotton Bowl a little bit unfairly after leading them to the playoffs. And then, you know, there was a lot working against Notre Dame. Ian Book didn't play well that day, but there certainly were many others that did not. So, I mean, I, you know, at, at some point, this is the game you choose to play. You're on scholarship in Notre Dame. You're the starting quarterback. And you do have to accept that to a large degree, the criticism that is. And you got to put it behind you. I mean, you've got to. You have to step up and, and make the plays and make the right decisions, and he hasn't always done that. So, it, uh, to a large extent, it does come with the territory. It does. Uh, and one thing I've always said about Book, and I've I've had a few conversations with him. I've certainly sat in the press conferences with him, and I've observed him a lot. He just always impressed me as being so confident. Sometimes those exteriors, though, can can really belie what's really going on underneath, and I wonder if that's the case, and here I am playing amateur psychiatrist. Anyway, the running game, not where it needs to be, and Jafar Armstrong, not where he needs to be, although we saw some signs of improvement last week. Uh, Tony Jones was not ready to go, so Armstrong got 19 carries, 37 yards, uh, as a team, the Irish 2.7 yards per carry, that's not good. And, of course, the big fumble before halftime. Uh, on the plus side, uh, Armstrong caught a couple of key passes on the uh, on the big drive at the end. Tim, is Jafar Armstrong still feeling the impact of the early season injury, or do you expect that he's really working himself into shape now? I think physically he's fine. I mean, having spoken with him this week, I think I think he's fine. But, you know, to a large extent, that was his Louisville opener, uh, and, and everybody goes through that transition with the first real game of the year. I thought he played physically. I thought that he didn't um, he didn't try to be elusive, um, you know. And coming off abdominal surgery, I can understand that. But he played physically. Um, you know, the issue now is that you're missing the right side of of your offensive line, probably. Well, you. Your two best, Notre Dame's two best offensive linemen in Tommy Kramer and Robert Hainsey. So it's not going to get any easier. 
uh, other than the fact that maybe the level of competition that they're facing here makes it a little bit easier. But uh, I, I think Jafar Armstrong, if he can just stay healthy and, and getting Tony Jones Jr. back and, and him staying healthy, you've got a pretty good complement to one another, even if your offensive line is a little bit wounded right now. Yeah, well, let's get into that a little bit. And you brought it up. Uh, two games, two lost offensive linemen. That's the right side of the line, as you said, Kramer and Hainsey. Who's the next man in? And talk about the O-line depth overall and what's the impact. Well, it's Josh Luggett at right tackle, and it's uh, Trevor Ruland at uh, uh, at right guard. And um, I thought Josh, Josh Luggett played pretty well uh, for his really most extensive action and most important action that he's faced. Uh, Trevor Ruland's just kind of a technician. Uh, isn't going to isn't going to uh, necessarily play a real physical game, but it's going to play a positioning game on people. So, you know, it could be a lot worse. I think those are two pretty good, uh, competent, capable backups. But but again, they're replacing your two best offensive linemen, and that's a blow as you try to as you go into November when things get a little bit more difficult. Not necessarily because of the competition, just that. It's a long season, and November is the dog days of the regular season. Well, a couple of comments about those two guys. Josh Lug, I love his length, uh, just a shade under six foot seven. That kind of almost is prototype ideal for a tackle. Uh, and Trevor Ruland, post game, deadpanning the list of his surgeries that he has gone through was 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 precious almost and, and hilarious and that young man has been through a lot and talk about somebody playing for the love of the game that's Trevor Ruland. now Tim this discussion would not be complete without a little love for Chase Claypool his two catches on the last drive were tremendous clutch plays especially the sideline grab where he seemingly stretched out his leg some way to get it down in bounds uh, almost like a superhuman feat but also the hustle he showed on the fumble return where he nearly caught the ball carrier. Then he publicly stood up this week for his quarterback uh, on Twitter and also uh, from the podium. Tim, this guy was not always in such good graces, but talk about his transformation and what his future might look like. Well, I just think emotionally he had to grow up a little bit. You know, these guys, they all come to Notre Dame as the star of stars, and I think it took him a little bit little uh, bit of time to – you know, blend in and put the team first. And boy, can I speak from experience that that's, that's difficult when you're that age and you think you're all that. But uh, no, he's grown and he's really become one heck of a receiver. He's big, he's strong, he's physical. And his effort, his effort is just nonstop. And, and you mentioned the, the, the fumble return and the way he chased it down. Not very many guys are going to even attempt to do that. So he's paid the price. He's grown up. He's learned. Um, I think that he's become a, a team player, and um, I said this a couple times, he, with, with each of these passing performances, he's making more and more money for himself in the future. No question. We'll see him on Sunday, and I, I just love the hard play, and really in the last year, year and a half, two years, uh, one of my favorite players to watch, and I love the loyalty he's shown the last week to his team and his quarterback. Uh, defensively for the Irish last week, a pretty nice bounce-back game. Uh, they gave up just one touchdown and two field goals, forced a bunch of three and outs, gave up a total of 240 yards at halftime. They'd only given up 85 yards. Those are really good numbers, and surprising to me has been the play of Dante Vaughn. Not great, but he was in man coverage on Damon Hazleton all night and held him to just 63 yards. That's a pretty good effort. 
Comments on Vaughn, Tim, and why isn't Tariq Bracey getting more snaps? Now, Vaughn was more of a matchup situation with Hazleton. He's very good. He has good size, and he's just been around longer than Bracey. Bracey came to Notre Dame, you know, in ideal conditions. He would have redshirted last year just to get stronger. He just didn't come in as a very physically strong player, but he can he can play the ball. There's no doubt about that. And his time will come. But, you know, Vaughn's size, and he's gotten a little bit better as he's gone along. I, I don't know if I gave him the credit that he deserved at the time, uh, but I think you're absolutely right. Um, what he did against Hazleton and uh, and really what Pride did against Turner, they, they did a heck of a job. Now, the quarterback for Virginia Tech, uh, Quincy Patterson, isn't going to win the, the Johnny Unitas Award by any means, but um, you know, those guys did a good job, and maybe it's something they can build on as they go into November. Well, Vaughn's another guy who's kind of like been a reclamation project uh, after his difficulties with injury and the performance in the Cotton Bowl last year, and he has turned into a really nice contributor. So let's talk uh, defensive backs for next year. Address the likelihood of Aloe Gilman coming back. And is there a chance that Sean Crawford comes back for a sixth year? Tim, I'm hearing there is, but... I thought in a press conference earlier in the season, he said no way. Well, we may have misinterpreted that a little bit. And as Tim O'Malley from Irish Illustrated pointed out, he was healthy at that time. He wasn't thinking about six years. Then he had the, the elbow injury. But I would say he's much more likely to return, and, and he shouldn't have any problem with the NCAA with three season-ending injuries. Uh, but I think he's much more likely to return than Gilman. If you were to get Gilman, Back and or Crawford. Well, now you know. Now your secondary is looking pretty good. Um, you know. Now you have uh, you have an opportunity where you could have Bracy and Crawford at corner, and Hamilton. Of course, Kyle Hamilton becomes a the full time guy. And if you had Gilman, and you know, now you have pretty good secondary. But I'm not sure they're going to be that fortunate. And um, so that's that's probably going to be a, a reclamation project for them next year. Yeah, well, I love the play of Sean Crawford, and if if you can get Aloe Gilman uh, convinced to come back, uh, that would really uh, make for, I think, a formidable secondary. Uh, Tim, a new stadium for you to visit this week, Wallace Wade at Duke. Uh, You've seen football in a lot of different venues over the years of covering the Irish. Maybe name one or two of the more interesting ones, and what are some of the new ones coming up uh, that you're looking forward to? I thought Brigham Young was awesome. Uh, just an incredible setting looking into the mountain with the big Y on the side of it. You've seen it on TV. Tennessee is an incredible environment on the river, uh, all the orange. Uh, I've been there on a, on a beautiful sunny day and it's pretty incredible coming out. You know, Georgia was, Georgia was as impressive as any places I've been, uh, this year. And then, wow, next year, um, Lambeau Field. Uh, Charlotte. I always thought the Nordy might get to the Belk Bowl in Charlotte, but they're going to get to a to a regular season game against Wake Forest first. The Coliseum. I've been there. Uh, I want to say 19 times, and it's a dump. It's fallen apart, but it's still the Coliseum where some great things have happened. Yeah, lots of great memories and some amazing stadiums. Uh, I've been to about one one hundredth the number of stadiums as you have, but I will always remember being served prime rib in the press box at Louisville. Thanks, Tim. Coming up, it's the all-time Irish hero, key to an Irish victory, injury report, and the world-famous Irish Illustrated prediction. And during the break, it's the Fighting Irish Fact of the Week, brought to you by our friends at Haynes, Eisenbarger, and Skiba. This is the 335th edition of 
Fighting Irish Preview. Shine the light into my room. Oh, I'm sure the morning sun can eliminate my gloom. If it shine a little light into my room, all I want is some sunshine, sunshine. Shining through these windows of mine, and I want it to be easy, easy. Your clear choice is Bushy. Treat each house as if it was your own. Our mission statement at Bushy's Windows, Doors, and Remodeling. Hi, I'm Jim Bushy. At Bushy's, we're proud of our home improvement products that we offer, and we are even more proud of the award-winning installers who will come to your home. Right now, take advantage of our 12-month 0% interest payment plan, and estimates are always free. So call Bushy's at 456-1247, stop into our showroom, or check out Bushy'sFW.com. Bushy's Windows, Doors, and Remodeling. Modeling, your clear choice. Your clear choice is Bushies. Your clear choice is Bushies. The Fighting Irish Fact of the Week is brought to you by our friends at the accounting firm of Haynes, Eisenbarger, and Skiba. Freshman Kyle Hamilton is one of only three true freshmen in the country to have reached the three interception mark this season. Haynes, Eisenbarger, and Skiba is a full-service accounting firm dedicated to providing personalized service and professional guidance for a wide range of personal and business needs. Give them a call today. Hey, I'm Kirk Herbstreet, and I watch college football like it's my job. It is your job. I know, but sometimes I like to get out of the booth and chill. Here, have a Coors Light. Thanks. So, where was I? You're on my couch. In my spot. Oh, is this your spot? It's a nice spot. Great view. Make Saturday mornings even more chill with a fridge full of Coors Light, the official beer of Saturday morning. 2019 Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Celebrate responsibly. Now back to Fighting Irish Preview with your host, Phil Halk. This is Fighting Irish Preview. The number 15 Irish visit the Duke Blue Devils this week. TV coverage on the ACC Network. Starts at 7.30 p.m. South Bend time. And it's now time for the all-time Irish hero. Brought to you by the Marina at Lake Gage. Chris Craft, Master Craft, and Premier Pontoons, we share your boating passion. And now we continue our series on the great defensive players of the last 60 years. Last week, three-time All-American Chris Zorich. This week, current defensive backs coach and former player Todd Light. Light, who patrolled the Notre Dame defensive backfield from 1987 through 1990, grew up in Flint, Michigan, where he was a two-sport star in football and track. As a defensive back, he had 19 intercepted passes and earned prep All-American honors. He fit right in with the Irish as a recruit in Lou Holtz's second season and logged more minutes than any other freshman. As a sophomore, he was a full-time starter on the 1988 National Champions and earned honorable mention All-American honors and led the team in tackles in the National Championship game against West Virginia. By his junior year, 1989, he was a star, consensus All-American. He had eight interceptions that year and logged more playing minutes than any other Notre Dame defensive player. 
Going into his senior season, 1990, the Sporting News named Todd Light the best player in college football. That year was shortened, however, for Todd Light by injury, but he again earned consensus All-American honors. In 1991, he was a first-round draft pick of the L.A. Rams and went on to a 12-year NFL career, earned All-Pro honors and a Super Bowl ring in 1999. Light went into coaching in 2009 and is now in his fifth year at Notre Dame. Tim, Todd Light was a shutdown corner before anyone even really knew what a shutdown corner was. And you have covered him as both a player and as a coach. So what is he like? Yeah, you know, when he first came in, Phil, they were thinking uh, receiver, uh, slot receiver, although then they called it flanker. But his his ability on the defensive side was, was so very obvious. And he had such great size for a corner. Uh, yeah, he, he had difficulty at times getting on the field as a freshman just because they were so talented. But, you know, his ability forced himself on the field. He's a great player. Um, you know, a, a, a somewhat demonstrative player at times. He would tell you that, that uh, you know, he, he had his verbal game going on the field. But he could back it up. He's a really good player. And then to go to the you know, first-round draft race, go to the NFL. And his numbers aren't Hall of Fame level in the NFL but they're pretty darn close. Yeah, he played 12 years, so he did something right. Todd Light is the only player in Notre Dame history who can claim the following accomplishments. Starter on a collegiate national championship team, unanimous All-American, first-round NFL draft pick, starter on a Super Bowl-winning team, and NFL All-Pro selection. Todd Light, another Marina at Lake Gage all-time Irish hero. The Marina at Lake Gage, we love boats. And it's now time for the Aspen Mortgage Key to an Irish Victory. Uh, Tim Duke is 4-4. Four and four. They were idle last week. So David Cutcliffe has had two weeks to game plan. They've been on the road for their last two games played, and they have lost their last two games. Duke has faced two Notre Dame opponents so far. In Week 4, they were at Virginia Tech, whom they defeated 45-10. And in Week 7, they lost to Virginia 48-10. In Week 1, they've lost to Alabama by the score of 42-3. On offense, senior Quentin Harris is a dual-threat guy completing 61% of his passes, good for 13 touchdowns against 7 interceptions. Harris is also the team's second-leading rusher with 408 yards on the season and 6 touchdowns. He has fumbled three times. True freshman Jalen Calhoun leads the Blue Devils in receiving out of the slot position. He has 37 catches, good for 295 yards and 3 touchdowns. But 6'2", 215 junior Scott Bracey is the top downfield threat. He averages 13.5 yards per catch, and he has scored twice. Duke's leading rusher is 6'215 junior Deion Jackson, who runs behind a young offensive line that will feature a true freshman and a redshirt freshman at the tackle positions. Jackson averages 3.9 yards per carry and has scored five times. He's also a threat to catch the football with 14 catches and two scores through the air. Overall, this offense does not rank highly. Duke is 100th in total offense, 99th in passing efficiency, and 65th in scoring at 29.5 points per game. Of note as well is that the Blue Devils have lost 13 fumbles this season. That ranks them 114th in the category. 
On defense, safety Marquise Waters ranks second in the nation with five interceptions, and the defensive line can rush the passer and otherwise wreak havoc. Victor DiMuchegi has six and a half sacks on the year, and Chris Rump leads the team with eight and a half tackles for loss. Overall, the defense is giving up 25.9 points per game and 351 yards per game. Both those numbers rank the Blue Devil defense solidly in the top half nationally. On special teams, A.J. Reed has not missed a field goal or extra point, but his kickoffs have been mostly short of the end zone, which might present opportunities for Lawrence Keyes in the return games. Tim, the Duke offense has struggled against good defenses, and Notre Dame is capable of playing pretty good defense. What is the Aspen Mortgage key to an Irish victory? I think there's two, Phil. One on each side of the ball. I think Quentin Harris, I think you can force him into making mistakes. So if Notre Dame's defensive ends have the day we think they can against uh, Duke's young uh, offensive tackles, I think Quentin Harris is going to turn the ball over. And then the other thing is uh, containing Dean McKagey and, and uh, um Rump, you know, those two guys are, uh, they're disruptive. So, you know, Josh Lug, it's going to be, it's going to be a real challenge for him. But I think Notre Dame's up for that battle. But those two guys are really, really good. There's no doubt about it. Okay. Well, force the quarterback to make some mistakes and contain those, that defensive line for Duke. Those are Tim Priester's Aspen Mortgage keys to an Irish victory. And Tim Priester, who is this week's Aspen Mortgage key player for the Irish? Well, Josh Lug. I mean, he has the greatest the greatest challenge against Duke's defensive ends. I thought he did a really nice job against Virginia Tech. Um, you know, I, I think the challenge here is much greater than it was last week. But and he's going to see his fair share. Dean Cagey coming off the edge. Rumps they kind of move around, and that's more of an interior defensive line challenge. But I think Josh Lug against Dean Cagey is. Uh, the matchup we're looking to see who wins. Well, Josh Lug, to this point, has been a highly regarded prospect, and this week uh, he needs to step up, and that is your Aspen Mortgage key Irish player this week. Aspen Mortgage, for all your mortgage needs, call 486-LOAN. And it's now time for the Injury Report, brought to you by Indiana Physical Therapy. Your choice for physical therapy now with 19 Indiana locations. Tim, a couple of key injuries uh, for the Irish. Uh, How did the Irish stand health-wise going into Game 9? Yeah, Robert Hainsey, the right tackle, captain, junior captain. He suffered a fractured ankle, so he'll be out. So that means Josh Lug, and we're not going to see Tommy Kramer either. Uh, maybe, maybe in a bowl game, uh, but not the regular season. So those those two guys on the right side, and then Tony Jones Jr., who uh, missed the Virginia Tech game with a rib injury, is expected back. And the good news is that uh, Jafar Armstrong came out of his return game in good shape. So the, the offensive backfield is intact. Uh, Jack Lamb on defense, is he uh, is he going to be limited? Yeah, he's uh, he's got a, a hip injury. We haven't heard the severity, but I don't think it's I don't think it's real promising for him. Um, so he's kind of a key guy on nickel and dime situations. So maybe Shane Simon uh, fills that role in the absence of Lamb. Okay, thanks, Tim. And that is the Indiana Physical Therapy Injury Report. And it's now time for the world-famous Irish Illustrated Prediction, brought to you by irishillustrated.com. Tim Priester, Vegas says the Irish by eight. What does America's foremost authority say? Well, I have a ton of respect for David Cutcliffe. He was in Notre Dame briefly with Charlie Weiss and then had a physical ailment and ended up not coaching in Notre Dame. But he's done an incredible job uh, at Duke. 
when he arrived, they had, they had, Duke had won 10 games in eight years. And he, he won 21 games in his first five. And then since then, he's like 14 games over 500. He's won 10 games in the season. So a lot of respect for him. Uh, Notre Dame will not out X and O Duke because of David Cutcliffe. But I think there's just enough shortcomings. And if Notre Dame avoids the kind of mistakes like they made last week against Virginia Tech, I think this is a game that they should win. I don't know how comfortably, but uh, I think it's a low-scoring game. I don't think Duke is capable of scoring. I don't see them reaching 20. I'm going with a prediction of Notre Dame 27, Duke 16. Notre Dame 27, Duke 16 is Tim Priester's world-famous Irish Illustrated prediction. Tim, I feel the same way about David Cutcliffe, and give him two weeks to prepare is all I need to know. I have to believe he will solve some of his team's problems. But the Irish are better, and I like getting Tony Jones back. Look for the Irish to score points on either special teams or defense. That's a prediction of mine. And I'll take the Irish. Notre Dame 28, Duke 20. Thanks, Tim. Thanks, Phil. Go Irish, and thanks for listening to Fighting Irish Preview. Special thanks to Jim Shovelin, Art Salzberg, and studio producer Adam Schenkel. Fighting Irish Preview is the copyrighted property of Judge Phil Productions. Podcasts by Federated Media. Podcasts by Federated Media.